MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie's six days of giveaways is upon us from the 21st to the 26th. MyBookie is hooking up players with free bets, casino chips, and blackjack tournaments with huge cash prizes, all completely free. Make sure to use promo code SGP for a 50% deposit bonus. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use promo code SGP for an instant deposit match of up to $50. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for avid sports bettors providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks, including picks from the SGPN crew. Better Than Vegas is like YouTube for sports betting. Check out all of their free videos at betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas. And finally, we're brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in paperhead providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com SGP. That's aceperhead.com SGP. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode number eight of the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am your host, Jeff Fox, stuck in full lockdown up here in Canada, yet another full pandemic lockdown. Uh, I am, like I said, the host of this here podcast. I also write about the sport at uh, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, and I run mma-manifesto.com, which you should check out. Um, two, if you, uh, if you celebrated Christmas, I hope you had a, a great one. Um, my son, my 10 year old bought me EA sports UFC four and uh, for PlayStation, he's been knocking me out like crazy ever since. So that's, I, I think we, we've hit the age where, uh, he, he's going to start surpass me in, in everything uh, in life. So that's uh, the circle of life. I take it. Um, as you can hear, I am not alone here. I have someone politely laughing at my at my weak weak jokes. That, that would be my um, constant companion on this podcast. My my co-host Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Um, he also hosts two podcasts of his own: Top Turtle MMA Podcast and the Prelim Picker Podcast, which is picking all MMA all the uh, prelim winners on Uf- upcoming UFC events and then his flagship podcast top turtle uh, basically it's like a, a interview slash uh picking winners of, of fights uh podcast he also uh writes for my site mma-manifesto.com um and he is so bad at picking uh ufc winners on this here podcast i hope santa filled his stocking up with nothing but coal this year yeah i thought we'd for sure when you were going to introduce my the top turtle podcast as an interview picking winners podcast you said picking winners like that's true and i was like whoo i've not been doing that lately but i appreciate the plug (laughs) yeah that's true you do have a co-host though so maybe i was maybe i was talking about dave yeah maybe maybe dave's picking the winners We, we usually do confer about who we're picking as like like a group pick in that one but like man I, I don't think either of us were hitting well towards the end of that but i was hitting underdogs I, w- I will say that i wasn't hitting very many just like straight up fights but i was picking the underdogs and the parlays fairly well 
Well, that's that's where all the money is on your house. So that, that's the key. If if you can hit a couple hundred dogs and some parlays, and then then you're good to go. For sure, for sure, and yeah. and and that's uh that that seems to be the sweet spot lately because certainly the main event picking main events is not my sweet spot lately. Yeah, so I'm thinking uh, since we don't have UFC again for what another couple weeks, which is strange. We all have to find new new hobbies to uh to partake in. I've actually had to spend time with my family, which has been which has been rough, but that's it's just the way, way it goes when there's no UFC and and you're stuck in the middle of a pandemic lockdown. So I've been, like I said, I've been getting destroyed at uh, EA uh, UFC video game um, and getting knocked out in backyard fights in there and in real life fights. So, but I'm still tw- I'm still twice the size, so I got that on them for, for the time being at least. Um, so I figured with no um, no fights on the on the calendar for at least a few weeks, we could. Um, play a little game that Dan was very uh, typically mediocre at last week, which is which is basically should be the new nickname, mediocre Vreeland. Um, typically we're, mediocre. I like typ- yeah, typically, yeah, typically yeah. in there. <laughs> typically mediocre. Um, I figure we uh, there's there's been some more fairly big fights um, announced for the first quarter or or so of of the UFC calendar in 2021. So I thought we would uh, do quick breakdowns of some of those fights and have. Um, and see how close he can he can uh, pick a line f- for these fights um, and see if he can uh, if he can get it just like the the uh, odds makers the professionals uh, have have set the lines and these odds most of these odds pr- pretty much 99% of the odds on this podcast will be coming from mybookie.ag um, who is one of our lovely sponsors and they want to remind you it's still the most wonderful time of the year and it's a year that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. And we all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is my bookie. You know, the only sports book that doesn't care whether you are naughty or nice this year, they've got gifts for everyone. You can bet NFL, NBA, all your favorite college sports and more. So sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start. But we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at my bookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. So it's simple. Sign up, enter the promo code SGP, and get your deposit match halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to my bookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. So this winter, bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. Mybookie.ag, promo code SGP. All right. Let's see if Dan got smarter over the Christmas break or not um i'm guessing not but we'll uh we'll, we'll break down some fights um we did right up to last last week's podcast we did right up to um about about the end of february um she got one more fight we can break down um this one will be taking place february 27th at a tba location where most of the fights will be taking place at the tba arena to be announced later arena uh headliner Late heavyweight fight: Dominic Reyes, Yuri Prochaska. Um, Prochaska basically burst onto the scene after he was the rising light heavyweight champion. Um, like I said, burst onto the UFC scene at least, um, knocking out Volkan Ozdemir in his debut this past summer. Um, your thoughts on this one, Dan? Your thoughts on uh, maybe guess a line first, and then we will we'll do maybe a quick breakdown on the fight. So this one's really hard for me because. It, it, We've got some some contrasting factors here, right, that, that typically are ways that we lean one way or the other, right? Like we talked before about how we lean one way if somebody's recently been knocked out silly, 
Um, right? Like, so, in, and that's, right now, that's our that's our boy uh, Dominic Reyes, right? Dominic Reyes coming off of getting knocked absolutely silly by Jan Blankovic. But we've also talked about name value, right? Because, like, uh, Yuri Prohashka, despite the fact that he burst onto the scene, is not a household name yet, you know? In, in, which is kind of a shame, because he's got some really crazy um he's got like a really crazy resume for a guy who's just got one ufc fight i'm actually gonna say that despite the fact that he's not a household name i actually bet he's still the favorite here uh coming off a big knockout win and reyes looking bad against the champ blankovic technically on a two-fight losing streak depending on how you judge that john jones fight I'll say Prohashka's a favorite, but not a big one. Let's say negative 130. Yeah, you're almost almost there. It's not on my book yet, but we've got Reyes at plus 110. Uh, Yuri around minus 149 is, is, is oh, the best. Oh, so within uh, my 20 there. there we yeah, go. there you go. <laughs> not, you started off good last week, too, so um, don't get too cocky here. Um, yeah, so... Um, Yuri, uh, like you said, he he's got quite the resume. Twenty-four knockouts out of twenty-seven pro wins, which is which is wild. I mean, he's got some names you will recognize, other than Ozdemir. He in Ryzen, he knocked out CB Dalloway, Fabio Maldonado, uh, Mohamed King, uh, Mo Lawal, Brendan Halsey, which who was a Bellator mainstay for a while there. Um, so he's he's got some big names on his resume. Um, and he's been around forever. Uh, Vadim Nemkov, he also um, knocked out uh, many years ago, but but he uh, he got him nonetheless. Um, only 28, but he's got what 31 profiles on his uh, record already, um, and gets a fairly a fairly high level of competition considering he wasn't in in uh, UFC or even Bellator for that matter. Um, as for the breakdown of the fight, uh, he he also he's he's an inch shorter, but he's got three inches of of reach on the devastator uh, also three years younger um and uh i think i i'll have to go um we'll make official picks when when we, we do the breakdown of of that fight card in in february but i think i'm gonna have to go with him just with his knockout power and, and the fact that reyes got like you said got his lights turned out last time in in the uh in the cage i think that's a bad combination for him yeah, and the other thing too is like it, you know you mentioned going back through through Prohashka's record and, and being like oh this is actually a, like a low key like a really awesome resume right like he knocked out King Mo he knocked out Halsey he knocked out you know Jake Hun is a, a, a worthy name to mention CB Dalloway and, and like you're right that is a really good resume if you go back through Dominic Reyes's it's almost like the opposite effect where you're like oh he knocked out Chris Weidman. Yeah, like a, a stiff fart knocks out Chris Weidman nowadays, right? Like, so like he had that split decision win over Volkan Ozdemir, and like some people think he didn't win that. Um, you know, like a, a rear naked choke win over Jeremy Kimball. Like Jeremy Kimball was was not UFC level. You know, he's he's lower level than all those guys we're talking about with Prohashka. A, a unanimous decision win over OSP. The, the KO over Jared Cannonier is like the only thing that like sticks on his record is being like, damn, that's a nice win. And obviously the performance against John Jones was nice too, but like, I mean, ultimately he lost that. So in the, the tiebreaker that, you know, we're, we're going to talk about some things that we like to use to break down fights is a lot of times I like to look at 
you know, their intent and whether or not they like to take fights to the ground and how successful they are at that. And, and he largely hasn't been a successful takedown artist, despite the fact that people talk a lot about his takedowns, right? He's got like a 16% takedown rate, which is pretty miserable uh, given the, the situation. And, and not even against, like I said, guys who defend takedowns really well. He's 0 for 2 against OSP and 0 for 2 against Volkan Ozdemir. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to have to stand and trade. And if he didn't like the power of Jan Monkovic, he ain't going to like the power of Yuri Prohoshka either. No. So it seems like uh, Prohoshka is, uh, they are putting him on the fast track uh, to the top, especially in a in a division like light heavyweight where it's not, not the deepest. He uh, he could only be, uh, depending on his performance here, he, he could be a fight or two away from away from challenging for the, for the title. Um, you'd think the rate that he's going at. For sure. And the other thing, too, is I think not only is it clear that they're high on him based on their, their matchmaking, I know for a fact the UFC tried to sign him before uh, he actually signed to the UFC. They wanted they wanted him as in the UFC like as early as I, I want to say before that King Mo fight. Um, and I know he decided he wanted more experience, so he fought in Ryzen a couple more times uh, before coming to the UFC to make sure he was polished when he got here. So yeah, it, it's not a surprise that they're trying to kind of rush him up the ranks, and especially if they get like a European show back, right? Like if, if right. next year they're able to do live audiences, they're able to go other places. Him versus Jan Blankovic somewhere in Europe uh, probably does some pretty awesome attendance numbers. Yep, very, very good point. So he, he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. That, that should be an exciting fight when it rolls around. What exactly two months from today? It'll be the uh, two months of, of our recording right now. It'll be February 27th when that one will be taking place. A week later, we will be getting a pay-per-view, UFC 259. Um, let's see how you are with another light heavyweight belt. This one probably will be the co Main event, I'm guessing, Alexander Rakic and Diego Santos. Where do you think the line is on that one? So I think it's going to be just about the same thing, right? We're, we're watching Tiago Santos come back from an uh, ugly performance, uh, granted against a good name in Glover Teixeira, and we're seeing Alexander Rakic. Is he coming off a win? I actually don't remember. Let's, he let's... is, yes. Anthony Smith. You know, oh, right, right. Unanimous decision. In, in a unanimous decision that looked pretty one-sided, right? Like, yes. So he's yes. coming off of a very nice-looking win. Um, and, you know, really, for what it's worth, I, I really have Rejic as being undefeated in the UFC, too, because he does have that one loss to Volkan Ozdemir by split decision that I think he won. So, uh, you know, again, similar to Prohashka, he's a guy whose his stock is high right now, coming off a win over a good name. Tiago Santos definitely got the better resume. He has that John Jones loss in the same way. So I, I think if the other one was lined at negative 130, or, well, it was negative 149, but my guess was negative 130, I'm going to say the same thing on this one, only I'm going to say since Prohashka has been in the, or uh, Rechich has been in the UFC for longer than Prohashka, more people know his name, which skews the results even more. We'll go negative 165 for Rechich. No. Well, you, you got you got the right guy, but but uh, my bookie is much higher on him. Uh, last the last odds, by the way, weren't wasn't on my bookie yet, but this one is. Uh, Rechich, minus 250. Yeah, Diego Santos plus two hundred. So that is, like you said, that is quite, um, quite higher than than you were guessing. Um, Santos is coming off two losses. He lost John Jones, and then he uh, lost to Glover 
Sure. To Shira, like you said, he, he lost to uh, Ozdemir, and that, that was his only UFC loss. He's been basically steamrolling through everyone else uh, up to that point. Uh, he, he'll be the younger man in this one um, by eight years, uh, two inches of reach, two inches of height. Um, I think he's he's going to be the pick, but that's um, I'm thinking the odds probably are a little steep even for my liking. Um, they def- definitely are for yours, it sounds like. Yeah, they're, they're definitely too steep for my liking, and, and the reason here is that the, the thing about Rejic and how he's looked so good is, like, he, he's looked really good if you go back at, at, like... So he took a lot of opponents down, right? And he knocked out some guys who were, like, easier to knock out, right? Like Jimmy Manoa has, has been knocked out a hundred times in a row. Devin Clark seems to walk into situations he shouldn't walk into. But, like, he didn't take out Anthony Smith, who's been... Get, you know, with the exception of the Devin Clark fight that he just came back and won... He was getting finished. Like, Glover Teixeira got him out of there pretty easily. And, and like, the Vulcan Ozdemir fight, he stood and looked not so great on the feet against Vulcan Ozdemir. Like I said, I think he won that fight. But at the same time, like, if you can't... If over a three-round period, you can't be the one who looks better on the feet against Vulcan Ozdemir, uh, I'm a little bit worried about you. So as a result, yeah, like, I think there's probably value on Santos in there, especially being a guy who's got big knockout power. It would be interesting to see how they trade here. Um, I think gun to the head pick is still Rachich here, but like, yeah, I think there's value on Tiago Santos if you're getting him damn near close to two to one odds. Right, exactly. Uh, the, actually, before we break down the main event, let me tell you about another one of our sponsors because we have a lot of lovely lovely sponsors to tell you about this week. This one would be Thrive Fantasy. So come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Uh, just in time for the holidays, because in my books, the holidays go right up till after New Year's. So it is still time for the holidays. Um, Thrive Fantasy, actually SGP is teaming up with Thrive Fantasy for an awesome SGP merch bundle. Send in a screenshot of your of you joining up to Thrive Fantasy with the promo code SGP, and you'll have a chance to win $100 in SGP merch. So just email your screenshot to podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. With Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. If the NFL, choose 10 of the 20 available player props to build your lineup. If the NBA, PGA, MLB, eSports, choose 5 out of the 10 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over 50,000 guaranteed prizes weekly and has awarded over 1.6 million in cash prizes. Make sure you use the promo code SGP when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant match up to 500, sorry, not 550. That's still good. $50 on your first deposit with four times rollover. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today and don't forget promo code SGP. I almost gave away too much money for them. They only want to give me <laughs> almost. We almost had to pay up fifty, five hundred bucks instead of fifty. All right, uh, moving along. Like I said, to the main event of that evening, UFC 259. This one was just announced uh, since our last recording, so it's a fresh one. Um, it's actually a rescheduled, rescheduled fight for the UFC. This one's going to be for the featherweight uh, women's featherweight championship. This lady is also the bantamweight champion and also a, a new mother. Um, it would be Amanda Nunes. Um, she will be fighting the the Aussie 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 Megan Anderson. 
Um, like I said, for the featherweight, so it's a 145-pound uh, title. Um, Megan Anderson is actually one of the rare women who actually, uh, that, that is her weight class. She's not just moving up um, for the sake of a title fight. She's a very, very tall. Uh, she's six feet tall, so she definitely, uh, 145 is probably um, not much fun to get down to as it is. So um, your thoughts on this uh, matchup, Mr. Vreeland. First, see, see if you can guess the line on this one. Ooh, this is... I think I got to get more leeway than than just twenty because because this <laughs> yep. isn't like the difference of of figuring out if this is like just barely over two hundred or just barely under two hundred. I assume Amanda Nunez as a favorite here, which she's obviously a favorite, is over a thousand. And I'm gonna say, man, if I had to go just how far over a thousand, let me think for a second because. I'm trying to, like, compare her to other massive favorites in the past, like the Shevchenko. I think Valentina Shevchenko got all the way up to, like, negative 1,300, but that was bet up against Jennifer Maya, and I think that started down around, like, 800, and people were still throwing her in parlays regularly enough to to drive that number almost to, to 1,300. So I'm going to say not that far over 1,000 yet. I'm saying by fight time... It's probably 1500 but right now, I think I'll say, how about 1150 First of all, you said one of our catchphrases, hashtag throw them in a parlay. Uh, <laughs> except, except it was throw her in a parlay, which, which I will accept. Um, <laughs> it is minus 900 only, actually, on my ah, book. Yeah, damn. minus 900. Plus 500 is is the comeback on that. But I have seen it. I'm checking um, checking other uh, other lines for this, which I suggest none of you do, because my bookie's the only place to bet. But uh, yeah, it's she's over minus a thousand in in other books. I've seen it, her as high as minus eleven hundred. Um, so if you like Amanda Nunes, then uh, definitely my bookie is is the place to go flex. You got the lowest lowest line on that. Um, I don't know if there's really any sense breaking down this fight too much. Uh, Nunes just uh, Nunes has just been uh, destroying any woman put in front of her. She's the best female fighter of all time um while uh, anderson will have about what three inches of reach and four inches in in height on her uh, her she's not much of a striker and <laughs> that's going to get her eaten up um by nunez and nunez is probably better on the ground uh, than her also um so I, I really don't see this being a competitive fight at all no i, I the the thing is that sticks out right is like Nunes gave up size to Cyborg too, right? And right. Cyborg hits like a goddamn Mack truck, uh, and still no fear and better striking. Um, you know, I don't think Megan Anderson is a sharper striker than Cyborg. Um, and I, I definitely think too, when you look back at the fact that Megan Anderson got beat by Felicia Spencer taking her down repeatedly, I mean, I think, I think if Amanda Nunes wanted to be safe and was worried about the hands for any reason of, of Megan Anderson, I think the path to victory of her just taking her down and beating the hell out of her on the ground is there too. Um, and, and whether or not that's what Amanda Nunes wants to do, maybe she wants the flashy KO. Although I don't know. She, she seems like the type who, who fights the smartest way for that fight and, you know, fans be damned. Not that she's not exciting, but like, I, I think she just sticks to what works. And I think probably in this one, she probably just takes, uh, Anderson down and, and maybe gets an early submission, which which is probably an interesting prop come around fight time. If you're like me and you're not going to drop, you know, you're not the guy whose who's tweet shows up in the corner that says somebody 
just dropped uh, 150k on Amanda Nunez to win 12 bucks. Um, you know, if, if you're not that person who wants to win 12 bucks that way, maybe you can win 12 bucks on the sub prop, which you know might come out somewhere a little bit closer to like you know negative negative 100 or something like that or you know even money so uh you know maybe look for that but ultimately yeah i man i i would not want to bet a fight that's you know i'm getting one tenth of my money back on it um just in case there was some kind of crazy ass fluke right and that's another thing you mentioned about uh about the champ um she's not just physically better than everyone and skill-wise better than anyone um mentally she's probably better than than um most of most of the women or all of the women up to this point that, that she's that she's gone up against very very smart fighter not, like you said not boring but but very very smart fighter um very well coached and um and yeah i, I don't think you're gonna break her mentally at all so that this this will be fine because it's always fun watching her fight but i don't expect it to be to be much of a, a competitive um competitive fight at all and lines lines that high um I don't see any point uh, unless you're a huge high roller, any point in betting them unless you want to hashtag throw her in a parlay. (laughs) (laughs) There's always, there's always that. Um, All right. uh, Next one. I just noticed this on my bookie this morning that they have a, um, a fight that's not official. It's more, more of a dream fight. Um, They have, they have uh, lines for let's, let's see how you do on this one. I'm assuming this would probably take place at, at light heavyweight. Um, it would be John Jones versus Israel Adesanya. Um, that is uh, probably the the top dream fight that the, uh, at this point the fans and the UFC brass would would want to want to make. And you actually can can if you want to get in on it early before it's even been announced. Um, this, you would guess it would probably be close to a year out if they even do this fight since Jones plans on going to heavyweight and Adesanya is the middleweight champion currently, um, even though he he's, uh, plans on challenging for the light heavyweight belt uh, shortly. So if you want to get in on it early, there are, you can bet on it. And what would the line be if you wanted to bet on it, Dan? You know, so I actually think while John Jones is, you know, the GOAT and people are like, he's never going to lose or whatever, I, I do think that now this line is probably as close as it would ever have been for a John Jones fight in like the last 10 years, because not only does Israel Adesanya have huge name value, uh, but also John Jones is coming off of a couple of lackluster wins. Um, but I still think he winds up the favorite here somehow. Um, but probably not heavily. Can I go, uh, negative, Ooh, for John Jones, negative 140, which would be an absurd line for John Jones in 2021. He's the GOAT. Negative uh, 140 is my official guess. Minus 150, plus ah. 120. So there you go. Yeah, right, right around me. Yeah. There you go. Mediocre, uh, typically mediocre Dan uh, Breland <laughs> did it again. He, he had a couple and he missed on He whiffed on a couple. So Yeah, that's, uh, that's the usual. And th- this one's so interesting too, right? Because like, when, when in the world have you seen a John Jones line that close, right? Like, I bet right. you if you go back and through, and, and maybe you could even find that on, on something. I'm like checking, actually, yeah. right odds. Yeah, I bet yep. you he hasn't had a line that close. Man, I bet you I bet you it hasn't been since Shogun. There, there's been a line that close. Yeah, I'm going – he is the – surprisingly, he is the um, – Underdog against Francis Ngannou, which is a proposed heavyweight fight. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I'll allow he's, that. He's favored over the champ, though. Uh, 
Miocic. Um, looks like he opened, or on some books, he opened against Izzy at minus 375. So this really, really come down since that time. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me see all the rest of his lines are quite high. Minus 200 against uh, Gustafsson, which was, what, two years ago. Um, minus 185 versus uh, Daniel Cormier the second time. So that, that was a close one. Uh, minus 170 against Cormier the first time. Um, so all yeah, these are all yeah. farther apart than than Adesanya. Yep. Uh, let's see, Shogun minus one fifty five. So still not that close. I, I was yeah. gonna say that Shogun was probably closer because Shogun was the champ, but then again, he was coming off that massive win. So yeah, and um, then is and then he was a plus one fifty five dog against Stefan Bonner, which I believe was his second UFC fight. So uh, that's the last time he was less favored yes. than he is right now. 11, almost 12 years ago. It'd be 12 years ago next month. So (laughs) it's been 12 years since a John Jones fight was lined and it wasn't technically lined even as close as this, but he wasn't as big of a favorite as he is right now. It takes him being an underdog against Stefan Bonner in 09. (laughs) What a a horrible decision that was making him underdog there. But yes. Um, Yeah. As for the, as for the fight, Jones is going to be much bigger than him, which is, uh, um, something i always always look at which we'll go into probably in our next segment he's got four inches of reach which isn't he's used to he's used to larger reaches than that against opponents and which is surprising considering he's also fighting a guy coming up from middleweight um they're both the same height um so izzy basically is a is a uh thinner version of jones which is hard to imagine because jones is pretty thin to begin with um but yeah it's uh, i think i probably will go with jones i usually always if if you're going with one of these quote unquote uh, dream fights or, or um, yeah, basically a dream fighter or a super fight, I believe the UFC likes to call it. Uh, if you go with one of those, I'm usually always going with, with the bigger man, uh, like think GSP versus BJ Penn, that type of thing. Uh, I'm always going to go with the guy in the bigger weight class. And I think I probably will. It depends when this fight takes place and what, what occurs before that time. Also um, how Jones looks if, if he fights, um, at heavyweight, and if he's able to cut down um, safely to, to 205, and, and how uh, Adesanya looks at at 205, because it looks like he's penciling into to get the next title fight at that weight. So obviously, there's a lot of factors in this, but I think I'll probably uh, lean lean towards Jones. Um, and, and I think at minus 150, uh, I, I think it's probably right around the range where I would I would be. I'd be comfortable uh, taking them at. Um, I think it's it's pretty fair, uh, pretty fair line at least at this point. I will say that I am intrigued in a bet by by Israel Adesanya here. I would say that it, at the opening lines that you mentioned, where Jones was a much larger favorite, I would have much rather been in there, obviously, than than down to plus one twenty. Plus one twenty makes me second guess laying a bet on him, but I still think he's pretty close to being my pick. The only thing that alarms me is the Yoel Romero fight. Um, because when you think back at Idesanya, he does draw a lot of his... He, he does let the other person sort of dictate what kind of fight it's going to be. And that doesn't mean he doesn't win it, right? Like if 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 Yoel Romero wanted to fight a counter-punching fight and there was going to be three punches per round, Izzy was going to land two of them and be happy winning a two-punch round. Uh, and like you could say the same thing about his fight with Anderson Silva or his fight with Robert Whitaker. He kind of let them decide what the pace is going to be and then just beat him at that. Not a lot of people do that against John Jones, right? John Jones is the kind of guy who will, will I mean, like if, if you fight his pace, 
I don't know that that's the right way to go about it. I, I think if Izzy like forced the pace on John Jones, it would be really interesting, right? Like if he tried to make John Jones turn it up, I, I would be very interested in how Izzy does in that fight. But if he just kind of like lets John Jones play on the outside and they just play an outside striking fight, I don't think he does enough to knock him out. And I don't know that he does enough to win a decision. So it's a weird fight because I think Izzy with the right game plan I would pick, but I'm not confident that he would have that game plan. Yeah, and, and speaking of uh, how he's almost a, a chameleon or chameleon-like, the way that he he can fight any any style, I, I would say that Jones is is the king of king of that. He he can basically fight you any any place the fight any place the fight takes place but he's more of a guy who he'll decide where the fight's going to take place but i i would say whatever style uh, adesanya wants to throw at him I, I think jones could probably top him maybe he's probably not as technically a, as good of a striker and he doesn't have half the power or at least the knockout power but um he, he's got the reach and he's obviously no no slouch uh on the feet so i i think he's one of those uh one of those guys that uh can basically beat you anywhere anywhere you want to get beat and, and the other thing too though is you mentioned him not being like a knockout guy he is he just does well on the ground but he knocked out cormier right like he it, it's not like he doesn't have that in him and, and you know he knocked down bonner with the spinning elbow if we want to go back to that fight back when he was a little bit reckless i think back then he was a knockout guy like he could knock people out when he wanted to then but the thing is is like he now knows, you know, like seven oblique kicks to the top of the knee and a couple of jabs along with like, you know, uh, you know, some, some legitimate shots in there too. But like doing enough of that keeps his opponent at bay, keeps him safe and wins him around. Um, and maybe bust Tiago Santos's knee wide open. So, you know, like he, he's happy winning that fight now that he's, you know, whatever old age he is, you know, 10 years after the last time he was an underdog or 12 years after the last time he was an underdog. Which, like, props to him for changing that type of fighting in him. Like, I'm cool with that. Like, that, that's a great, great maturation process, even if it's not the most exciting thing. But I still think he has the knockout guy in him if somebody drew that out of him. I just don't think Idesanya is the guy to draw that out of him, right? Because Idesanya is going to let him do what he wants to do, which is that, that pick-away fight in... I, I don't know Idesanya wins that. So, But uh, worth mentioning, John Jones, I still think has... I won't say as much knockout power as Israel Adesanya, but I bet you it's close. Yeah, he's got 10, 10 career knockouts, so it doesn't doesn't show on his record. Um, but but he also um, has six submissions, uh, so 10, 10 decisions. So he's got um, that doesn't have a huge amount of of knockouts, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a bit of power. He, he'll have the reach in this one, and he should be the much larger man, especially if he's if he's going to be coming down. Uh, supposedly coming down from from heavyweight and speaking of his age he's only 33 he's been around forever but he's uh he won't be 34 until till next summer um now and adesanya isn't quite as young as 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 he seems um i think he's 30 already or 31 so it's um he's he's might be newer on the ufc scene but he's not not exactly a spring chicken. Uh, how about how about this? What would your odds be on this fight actually taking place? Um, we hear lots of these dream scenarios. We heard about Jones and and Anderson Silva for ages. We heard about Anderson Silva and GSP. Uh, we got neither of those. Um, we heard obviously we heard Fedor was going to fight a whole slew of UFC UFC uh, legends like Randy Couture or or Brock 
Brock Lesnar and, and none of those fights took place. What are you, what are your odds of one positive is both guys are, are in the UFC. So that's, that's a plus, uh, as for, um, Fedor never made it to the UFC. Um, and both guys seem to, seem to want to be in this, uh, in this fight or they at least have each other on on each they're on each other's radar so what what are your thinking that this fight actually takes place so here's my question this fight actually takes place or this fight actually takes place in 2021 because because i'm gonna say it doesn't happen in 2021 my, my odds on pick with that would be for sure it doesn't happen yeah you would think not because like i said jones sounds like he's he wants to fight a heavyweight next um adesanya still has his middleweight belt which you think they're despite it sounds like they're going to let him fight for the 205 belt next, or at least soon. You think they'd want him to um, either relinquish uh, the middleweight belt or or um, or defend it before he fights Jones. So, so yeah, you'd think, and who knows about Jones, his out of cage antics. Who knows uh, how uh, how soon he, he's going to uh, he's going to fight, or how many times he is going to fight. So yeah, I, I would I would agree on that. Well, and if you've seen Jones recently too, like he doesn't look huge. But he looks bigger, right? Like, he looks notably bigger, which to me is not a good sign to see him back at 205 because he was already massive for that weight class. You know, you mentioned skinny, but, like, he's a big dude. And then, like, you know, you add in the fact that, like, he, the money is there for an Idesanya fight for him, right? But, like, it's there for the Ninganu fight. It, it's there for the Stipe fight. And, like, I don't think... I don't think going back to 205 to take his title back from Izzy is the same kind of uh, legacy-style fight as taking the title off of Stipe or taking you know out Francis Naganu. Like those two fights cement him as the greatest fighter of all time, and nobody will be able to argue it, right? Like if he goes up a weight class after having beaten Cormier twice, you know, cleaned out three different eras of contenders at light heavyweight. Then he goes up to heavyweight, takes out the champ out there and the number one contender. Like who, who's going to debate how great he is, right? Like you're, you're silly unless you're, you know, you're bringing up the, the out of cage antics or whatever. But like, it, as far as in cage stuff, put all that stuff aside, he's obviously the greatest ever if he does that. Whereas like, you know, like that fight with, with Izzy, sure. That could be a money fight, but it would be a money fight after he beat Stipe and after he beat Nganu. And and if he did both of those, he took both of those guys out, man, then maybe we're talking about the chance that he is going to come back down to, to become champ champ or something like that. But even then, I think he probably, judging by what he did at light heavyweight, where he beat all comers, right? Like he beat, after he beat Shogun, he also made sure to take out you know, Machida and Rampage and everybody else who was like the that era of guy, who's to say he doesn't take out Stipe and Ganu and then want to take out Overeem and want to take out, you know, uh, Curtis Blades and like every one of those type fighters at the top of the division, uh, Yair Rosenstroich, just to say that he did and then go back. So that's why I think maybe this fight happens. I'd give it maybe a 50-50 chance of happening. But happening in 2021, I'm gonna say it doesn't. Yeah, that, that's a good point about Jones. He he cleared out multiple, basically multiple waves or multiple generations of of fighters at light heavyweight. He took out the old guard. He took out people from from his era, and he's he's taken out the the new breed too. So 
he may decide he wants to do the same at heavyweight. The one positive in this is Adesanya's got the the mouth to um, to to bait Jones into this fight. Um, in the fan base too, I think right. that's a huge piece of it as far as luring people into like legacy fights. Like, if you're gonna make a legacy fight or a, a multi division fight, like there has to be interest on both sides, right? Like there has to be. I need to see John Jones, and I need to see who John Jones is fighting. And like in this case, if he stayed and fight Jan Blankovic, everybody wants to see John Jones fight. But like until Jan Blankovic had knocked out Dominic Reyes, ah, I, I don't think the interest was there. The dude was one in four to start his UFC career. Like he's great and he's a worthy champion, but at the end of the day, yeah, I, I don't think Jones is coming back down for those types of guys. But Idasanya might just have the fan base to to draw him back. And uh, he could also be the double champ uh, by that point, too. That's, that's another thing we were talking about, or you were speaking about all the possible future um, future wins for, for Jones at heavyweight, um, which, which would boost the stock even more. But, but Adesanya becoming a double double champ could also be enough to entice Jones to come in and uh, knock him off his throne, and which would and would also propel Adesanya up up to at least Jones level in, in recognition and perhaps even even higher, which would basically make it a win win for for both guys to to take this fight. Yeah, and, and the other interesting aspect of this though too is is, is again I, I mentioned it at the beginning, just how bulky does John Jones get? Because if he gets bulky, the question's over. Unless Idesanya is willing to fight him at heavyweight, if that dude balloons up to 265 and like a legit 265, you ain't gonna see him at 205 ever again. Yeah, I, but, I don't, I don't believe it. You know? Yeah, well, when you see his his Jones brothers, both NFL players, and how huge they are, um, you definitely think the genetics are there. The, the one thing is he he's got far skinnier legs than those two guys, so he <laughs> doesn't. Uh, it's not not a knock, but he doesn't carry a lot of of weight in his legs, so it may. It may um, it, it may be harder for him to, to really get up to to the high uh, like the Greg Hardy range of of uh, <laughs> of heavyweight, but but I, I want I want to see this fight now that we talked about it. I'm uh, I, I don't really get sucked into this the dream fight uh, matchups and stuff because more often than not, like I mentioned, they they don't they don't happen. But I want to see this fight now, Dan. Yeah, I I I will also say I'm like. Because of when I became a fan of the UFC, which is back in like the UFC 60 to 70 range was when I started following more closely. I think I'm like a a little bit of a divisional purist. I I like liked that people belong to divisions and you could just look at where they and now since it's all more fluid, it bothers me more often than not. And I hate champs leaving divisions because it ties shit up. But I will say that. Idesanya is making it interesting right now because I don't think he has a clear-cut contender right now that's interesting. You know, like, he could fight Whitaker again, but, like, meh. Like, he knocked him out pretty clearly, and he was looking better than him the whole time. So, and, like, he could fight Darren Till, but Darren Till just lost to Robert Whitaker. I mean, I guess you got Jack Hermanson in there, but he just lost to Marvin Vittori. Are you ready for a Marvin Vittori rematch? Ugh, I don't know that that's something that piques my interest. So, like... Let Marvin Vittori fight Robert Whitaker and let, you know, I decide to do what he wants to do and we'll figure it out once they have a clear contender. So even though I hate that kind of thing, yeah, talking to you right now and uh, I've talked to Dave a little bit about this fight earlier this week. Same thing. Like this is an exciting matchup regardless of how you feel about like moving divisions, whether it happens, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm in your, uh, in your, um, 
in your corner when, when talking about purity of division and stuff like that, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of guys jumping all around, but uh, it, it be, this would be one of the situations or GSP and BJ Penn back in the day was, was a, an appropriate situation. But yeah, it, I want to see both guys become uh, legends in the division that, that they should be in. Like Jones has already done that. Um, I like to see Adesanya do that at middleweight first, but it sounds like it's not going to be the case, but yeah. We both want to see this fight, so let's get let's get working on it, uh, Dana White. Uh, make it happen. And oh, the pandemic's another thing we haven't even brought up here. They may not may, they may not want to do this until they can until they can put twenty thirty thousand people in a in a stadium to see it happen. Yeah, and and also you may not want to do it. Although you know that that's a minuscule amount of their revenue, right? Like how many people, you, right? Like what what is a, a really great gate, right? Like phenomenal Madison Square Garden looking gates, like ten million. And, like, you know, when you divide that out by how many extra pay-per-view buys you would have to get to make that money, right? Like, it's it's not that much more, right? Like, Yep, absolutely. So, uh, enough of enough of the um, the fantasy fantasy realm. We're next uh, next segment here. We're actually going to tell you how you can make some actual real money um, instead of uh, us dreaming up dreaming up fights here. But before we get to that, let's tell you about a new sponsor of ours, which I'm actually have, I've been active on already. It's the Better Than Dot Vegas. Better Than Dot Vegas is an all new, completely free website sharing thousands of handicapping videos. So it's basically YouTube, uh, but it's for what hashtag the gens only care about which would be sports betting the best part is you'll be able to get video picks from all the sgpn crew like i said including me i have a couple up uh for past ufc fights and i will be doing a weekly one at least a weekly one for once the ufc gets rolling again so make sure you you check me out you can watch uh week by week how how i age and uh how how much bigger my my beard is going to get because I don't think I'm going to shave for a while. I can't be bothered. Um, so basically, uh, all, the, the whole the whole crew's there. Maybe we'll even get Dan's handsome face on there at some point. But um, and we're, the, we're all exclusively uh, posting over at BetterThan.Vegas. So we, we'll cover all the sports. Uh, that site covers all the sports. Uh, it's, so does uh, so does SGPN. Um, so we're talking NFL, college sports, uh, soccer, UFC, of course, all that stuff. Um, and if free video picks isn't enough. Uh, we're also there. The site's also giving away cash. So a thousand dollars to the handicapper that wins the most units, and a thousand dollars to the handicapper that has the most followers. So make sure you follow us. So subscribe to SGPN page. So it's sportsgamblingpodcast.com/slash/BTV for better than Vegas, and that way you won't miss any of our videos. And if our page, the SGPN page, wins, then any cash that we win, we will give back to you, our lovely listeners. Um, so make sure you head over there, better than dot Vegas, and that's better than dot Vegas, and you can see my ugly mug. Um, all right, now um, I did an article a few months back. I thought would be a decent um, decent topic for a um, for a off off week um, off week subject for us to dub into, and it's, it was basically I believe it's titled Eight UFC Stats That Will Win You Money, and that's what we're all here for. Um, and 
Dan had similar idea for a topic this week, basically going into what type of thinking um, goes into our um, our picking winners of fights. I don't know if we want to hear what Dan's thinking is because he has a bad bad track record here, but but he sounds smart when he says it. So we'll we'll at least we'll at least uh, um, listen to what he has to say. So um, so basically this. Uh, my article is basically like a UFC gambling for dummies type of thing. Um, stuff that you can use to help you pick fights. Even if you're not really um, into, into the UFC or, or know a huge amount of, uh, of the fighters. Now the, uh, the first stat, which jumped, uh, I track basically all the stats from fights for all of 2020. So this isn't basically just a small sample size. This was hundreds and hundreds of fights, something like we're talking like over 400, 400 fights uh, the UFC put on. Uh, this this current year. Um, now the number one predictor for um, picking a winner heading into a fight was the striking stats. Uh, it was when I posted the article in October. It was 72 percent uh, win rate. It's dropped quite a bit since then. It's down to 69 percent. But that's still a, a quite a huge predictor of of a of a fight's winner um, heading in. If if you hit 69 percent of your bets, you're going to end up uh, end up with a, a healthy, uh, a healthy bankroll. Now, what I mean by, um, striking stats is I checked, I went over to the ufcstats.com site, um, which formerly known as fight metric. Um, you can check out basically stats for all UFC fighters on there. You can also uh, see breakdowns of, of up, up cam, upcoming matchups. So you can have both fighters on the, on the screen there for you. And what I, all I did is pretty simple is they have four striking stat, uh, categories on there that they tell you how many strikes uh, or how many significant strikes a, uh, a fighter lands per 15 minutes um, or actually per minute that one would be I believe um, they also tell you uh, uh, how many they absorb so how often they get hit um, surprising how many people you see on there who actually get hit more than they, than they dish out and uh, fairly successful fighters which is a surprise and then they also tell you uh, some percentage things they tell you their significant strike percentage so basically how many uh, how accurate uh, they are is what I meant to say how accurate they are with their strikes and um, the same for defense how accurate they are uh, defending their opponent's significant strikes so what I did is I all pretty simple I compared two guys um, or gals, numbers in each category. Um, if a person won more categories than its opponent, then I I mark them down as a superior striker. And those people won at this point around 70% of their UFC fights. So it's a pretty huge, uh, I would say, a pretty huge indicator of a of of a winning fighter heading into a fight. And um, as I said before, if if you can hit uh, that many that many wins on your picks, you're going to end up with a pretty healthy bankroll. Um, your thoughts on that, Dan? Is it is it surprising that it's that high, or or would you expect it to be higher, or, or any thoughts on that? So I would say, first of all, that that's a great starter for people who maybe don't know how to start looking at stats and, and betting. But the the other thing too that you can use to probably take that number even higher than seventy percent, right? Like if we were just going to blindly bet, we would just bet all of the guys who are or gals who are ahead on those numbers and win 70%, which is already awesome. But also, like, I think you would probably even gain into those margins if you compared the strength of schedule, which is the other thing I typically do. And and not even just, like, the strength of schedule as it pertains to how good of the quality of fighter they fought, right? Like, that that's one thing that you could compare. But another thing that you could compare in those regards is 
the the quality of striker those other people have fought, right? Like if, if you look into those past stats and you're like, oh, you know, like Yusef Zalal isn't landing any punches, right? Like he, he only lands like two and a half a minute, for instance. Like, but then you go back and you look and you're like, oh, he's only fought wrestlers, right? Like he's only fought Austin Lingo, who he took down six times and Austin Lingo took him down sometimes. And he fought Jordan Griffin, who only wants to grapple and he fought Peter Barrett, who's a striker, but he decided just to wrestle him the whole time. So, like, yes, of course his stats are crazy low. They would be crazy low because he's only wrestled. So, I think, too, if you play within the margins, too, like that, and you, you recognize that, like, sure, there are some statistical anomalies in there that we have to keep an eye out for. I think you could probably even take that that 70% win rate and with a little bit of smart finessing once you get good at using those stats – you could probably up it even another, you know, five to ten percent by by using some smart thoughts like that. No, yep, very good point. Um, and uh, you also have to beware of small uh, sample sizes, which is something I, I tend to mention every week. Um, this site only covers fights for uh, UFC or Dana White's contender series, so basically only fights underneath the the UFC umbrella. So if if you have a couple of newcomers, you know. Uh, who, who don't have any fights, and then you're not going to have any any stats to go off here. Um, or if you have guys who guys or, or girls who only have fought once or twice, then their numbers could be skewed um, skewed either way. So it's obviously you got to take it with a grain of salt. But even if you don't, if you just flat out bet it um, over the course of 2020, you would have won 69% of your bets, which is which is not too shabby at all. Um, now, did you um, you mention strength of schedule? Is that one of uh, one of your one of your um, part of your special sauce when, when you're picking winners to fights? Is that one of your keys? Well, actually, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned it because the, the way I was just talking about it, I often apply that same strategy of looking at the strength of schedule and weighing somebody's stats on that. But usually the stat that I um, have found the most success for is paying attention to it in isolation against uh, grappling. I, I actually use it on the opposite side and particularly takedown percentages, you know, like, you know, I mentioned Yusuf Zalal. I just happened to have his page open when in one of my tabs for another project I'm doing. And, and like, I, I mentioned, you know, his striking stats were really low and his grappling stats are so high. But then at the same time, when you apply some of those grappling stats, they don't actually look that good, right? I mentioned three takedowns against Peter Barrett. Peter Barrett is a guy who doesn't stuff many takedowns. If you saw him on the regional scene in Massachusetts fighting for cage Titans, he doesn't stuff hardly any takedowns. And he managed to stuff Yusuf Zalal twice. Uh, Yusuf Zalal also couldn't finish him, which right there, while, while Yusuf Zalal's grappling stats look phenomenal, it's one of those indicators where you're like, damn, they are not actually all that good. Like given the situation, Given all of those things around it, he, you know, he may be shooting 42% takedowns and getting two and a half or almost two and a half per fight. He's not that kind of takedown artist. You can't consider him a wrestler, just like you shouldn't consider him a filthy, terrible striker, right? Like, so he's a great case study in that, like, you, both the, the striking stats you talked about and the grappling stats that I'm looking at completely change when you, you change what they're looking at. So, yeah, I was going to say my, my special sauce, when it is effective, which it is, I can assure you at some point in time it has been effective, 
one of my biggest ones is is looking back and in, in putting grappling stats into context uh using using opponents and knowing how well those opponents do against other fighters who are either you know you weigh heavily or weigh less heavily based on um how they've done right and if uh speaking the grappling stats if you did exactly what i do with the striking stats, if you did the same thing for for grappling stats on the site uh the grappling stats that they have would be takedowns um average number of takedowns per 15 minutes uh, how accurate they are with their takedowns how accurate they are at stuffing takedowns and how many submissions they go for uh for 15 minutes if you did that just uh, with the grappling stats like i did with the striking ones and just compared to two combatants and see uh, if someone wins more categories than the other it's only 59 percent. so it's still decent but it's it's less of a uh less of a determinant of a winner than than striking um i'm thinking may uh, wonder if dan agrees with this i'm thinking one of the reasons for this is if um if a fight goes to a decision i'm thinking whoever is the most active striker is um probably going to get the the judge judges of the fights uh, nod even if they may not be accurate I, i'm i'm guessing i haven't done all the research i haven't done any research on this it might be something i have to do in the future but i'm thinking the more active striker even if they're whiffing on their punches or kicks i'm thinking the more active striker more often than not is going to win a, a judge's decision if if the fight ends ends in that in that way I think you're right, but I also think some of that aspect, too, is that typically the person throwing more strikes, too, is the person moving forward, which right. is another thing that really sways judges. So I, I think you're right. I think just throwing more punches probably does a large number of it, but it's also probably that they're making that forward movement constantly, um, and I yeah. think that, that probably does a, a huge part of it. Right. Um, another stat, which is – at this point, it's at 69% hit rate. It's not quite as as exciting or or um, a secret that's going to win you a lot of money. Is betting if you bet the favorite uh, favorites on, on all the fights in 2020, you would have hit 69% of the time. You probably you definitely would make same same amount of money as as if you were picking striking winners because I'm sure there's there was quite a few underdogs that had superior striking stats. But if you just picked the uh, whoever is chalk on the board um you're going to win 69 percent of your bets that's like i said is not really a, a sexy uh stat and it's it's not a guaranteed way to to win money also because you uh you might be winning huge minus 900 uh 900 bets which aren't going to make you much money you may not end up losing more in in the long run that way but it's uh, i thought i'd throw it out there that just betting chalk uh the odds odds makers are almost 70% accurate with, with their, their picks heading into a fight. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And that, that bodes probably, man, I, I definitely don't have any basis for this, but uh, uh, I bet you, if you look at most sports too, I bet you it's really not all that different, right? Like that, those are the, the margins books play in and in play at usually. And, and that's also a friendly reminder. We, we've said before, that when if you're picking the whole card, which you should, you should always bet $100 on every fight. <laughs> yes, minimum. <laughs> minimum. That's that's the minimum hashtag DGen only bet. So if you're playing that, if if you like to bet tons of fights, or if you want to do you know some crazy full fight card parlay, that that's about right. 70% is about three to four underdogs per fight card, which means that that's usually what I try to pick around when we're doing the show. I try to pick. You know, three underdogs I feel good about on some, you know, crazy cards. I like five of them. And on some cards that I think are a little bit more chalky, I might stick to two of them. So it's important to remember that, that while 
you know, those numbers seem to stick out that the books are doing really well. That also means the books miss on, you know, three or four every single card. And, and those are, you know, the ones that I love to try to pick out anyway. So, um, yeah, like what, like you said, your margin's less if you just pick favorites. But knowing that there are a couple of dogs on every single one um, is important to remember, too. Yeah, exactly. The, the flip side of that. Exactly. I, that's, I'm glad glad you brought that up because um, that, that's something I do also when I when I pick fights. I try to or I pick a fight card. Um, you try to get, like you said, that magic number is about three or four, three or four dogs per per card on average uh, come through. And if, if you think you're better at, at setting lines than than uh, Vegas or, or my book or other sports book, you may want to get uh, check into ace per head. Um, if you've ever started, thought about starting your own sports book, there, that's the spot to go, ace per head. Uh, they'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They have top-notch customer support going 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus, ace per head offers live betting and an amazing mobile experience. So you can get started today at ace. They're offering up to six weeks free. So just go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Um, Another uh, thing which has actually become quite prominent uh, with the UFC running during the pandemic is there's been a lot of late replacement uh, fighters being thrown into thrown into fights at the last minute, sometimes even within a day or two of, of a fight um, actually taking place. Um, a lot of people are obviously are getting COVID or they're having travel issues or, or weight cutting issues or various issues. Um, Related to the pand- pandemic or even even not related, it's just been ramped up more. Um, the pandemic has thrown a lot of things into flux, obviously. So with the uh, late replacements this year, there's been 67 fights um, where someone has uh, has taken a fight on short notice. Now, what I what I've the cutoff for short notice, I've said if they have less than a month to prepare for a fight, uh, I've considered that short notice. Um, for the stat, if both people in the fight are taking the fight on short notice, obviously it's a wash, and I haven't included that. So there's probably been a lot more than 67 fights that have have been um, very short notice fights. So anyhow, um, long-winded here. If you go uh, late replacement fighters have only won 34% of their of their fights this year. So if, if you go with the fighter who is first scheduled in the fight um, – they're going to win 66% of the time. So what I'm saying is long-windedly is don't take people who, who step into a fight short notice. Um, it's been especially, like I said, especially ramped up during the pandemic because UFC have struggled, I believe, to, to find quality last minute replacements. So they've gotten, uh, gotten some people that probably aren't UFC caliber. Um, so this may change once the pandemic is over and things are running as per usual. But at this point, if you see a person take a fight, uh, late replacement and and the line somewhere which which you like I would say go with the person who's been in the fight the longest or been in a schedule for the fight the longest yeah the other thing about that too I bet you if you go back and look at a lot of the ones where the replacement fighter wins the guy coming into the fight late wins I bet you a lot of them are are spark KOs like real quick flash KOs like the the one that sticks out best in my head is Frank Camacho versus Justin Janes. Um, and, and let me first of all say, I love Justin Janes. I, I love interviewing the guy. I love, you know, talking to the guy even before we're starting the interview. I love the style of fight the guy brings. He's not as good of a fighter as Frank Camacho. 
And to this day, I would still pick Frank Camacho in that fight over Justin James. 44-second knockout for Justin James. So, like, that's a short-notice guy who won. And I would say if you run that fight back 100 times, he's the guy who loses that fight. So, uh, you know, yes, you're right. It is happening at a very high rate that the replacement fighter loses. But I would say even... You know, even some of those wins that they have are just bad beats. If you if you bet on the guy who was already in the fight um, rather than the replacement and the replacement won, you probably still didn't even make a bad pick. And the ones that are good picks, the, the late replacements that probably, you know, you should pick or, you, you know, won rightfully. I don't want to say won rightfully. All the, all the winners won rightfully. But, like, were the actual better fighter in that fight? I bet you you can go back and look at their strength of schedule too, and that's a huge change to it, right? Like if they if they fought in somewhere like LFA, they're worth mentioning. You know, if they fought in somewhere like you know Cage Warriors, worth mentioning. And on top of that too, a lot of those guys who got a, a win there or came in late were just coming off of a fight that ended really quick, so they were already in fight camp or were just scheduled for a fight too. So. Uh, in addition to looking for those things, just as another thing that you can add on to add layers of depth to, to the nuggets that Jeff's given you here, think about where those fighters are coming in on late notice because some of the ones that are coming in on late notice were prepared and some of them uh, were a little bit less prepared. And I think those are the easier ones to, to overlook. Right, and this actually dovetails nicely into basically the only the only other uh, stat which, which made... Um, jumped off jumped off the screen to me here was um the matter of missing weight uh for a fight um which would tend to happen with people who were thrown into a fight with only a few days few days to prepare um so we've got 31 weight misses this year or at least i have 31 in my in my spreadsheet um here um of the people who missed weight only 10 of them have won um so basically 32 percent of people who miss weight win their fight so on the flip side, 68% of people who come in on weight uh, beat the overweight fighter, which is kind of counterintuitive to the whole the whole um, purpose of weight cutting uh, to begin with. Fighters cut weight because they feel that being the bigger fighter when fight night comes is going to be to their advantage, but perhaps it isn't um, as as we see people who have who've come in heavier um, than their opponent uh, missed weight have only won 32% of the time. So it's maybe counterintuitive and maybe fighters should think that through before they actually uh, decide to, to cut down to, to a weight class that, that they may not be physically suited for. Um, so, so there's obviously, obviously a lot of factors which could play in, into, uh, into why the numbers are, are there, but, um, but that's just a thing to keep in mind. If you see a guy or, or a girl step onto a scale and they miss weight, I would, run to my uh run over to my bookie and i would bet on on their opponent uh, immediately assuming it's a line that a line that you like yeah yeah i definitely agree with that too um it, and again too i i think you know as always you know I, i'm just going to be the guy who tells you to contextualize everything here and that's going to be the really boring one but like contextualize how they missed weight too if there's somebody who came in and missed by a pound and looks emaciated that's obviously much different than a person who missed by five pounds and doesn't look like they tried to make it. You know, like the guy who missed by five pounds and doesn't look like they tried to make it, they're just hydrated. And they decided that it's worth the, the you know, 20% of their income to just be hydrated. 
and to just go into a fight without their brain feeling like it's made of jello. So that is a very different kind of miss than the one pound looks like he's going to fall over type of miss. Um, so, so like keeping that kind of stuff in mind too. And, and I don't mean to tell you that you need to watch the weigh-ins, um, but, but they're always available on like a hundred different sites that you can watch those weigh-ins after the fact even, and just go, just look at how the person looked when they walked onto the scale. That's all it takes. Cause when you look at them walking onto the scale, you can tell they look like crap. You know, like you, you can tell they don't look great. Um, or you can tell it looks like they ate five minutes ago. Um, so, so keeping that kind of stuff in mind too is, is pretty important. Yes. Very good points there. Uh, so they're the main, the main stats. There's other things I use also. Um, I hit I, I hit 61% of my my picks last year, so I, I probably I could have could have done better if I if I paid attention probably to, to more just betting on on the striking the striking aspects of things. Um, I also look at uh, reach, which um, superior reach, which is is less important than then I probably give it uh, weight and um, I probably give more weight than it deserves. Uh, bigger reach is only, uh, only means 55% of, of the time in a fight. So um, I, I would have expected that to be a bit higher. Um, I did now it's not broken down by, by how many inches uh, bigger uh, a fighter's reaches. I may, maybe I'll do stuff like that in 2021, break these down, uh, these categories down to even, even more minuscule uh, details. So, so you, you can be like, if a person has more than a four inch reach, then, then they win 75% of the time, that type of thing. But that's something to keep in mind. Um, younger fighters won 60% of the time. And that, I believe that number has come up in the past couple of months. I think the younger people, um, younger fighters are, yeah, they're, uh, they're only at 59%. Um, when I wrote the article, so they've been pretty much steady. That's another category that I may look to to break down even more um, microly in the uh, microly. Is that a word? Microly, Dan? It, I don't it think is it is. It is today. Yeah. I'm going to allow it, it to be. It works here. Yeah. It's a it's a UFC podcast. What do you expect from us? So anyhow, um, I, I may break that down to say you know if a fighter's five years older than his opponent, then then the opponent wins this amount of time, that type of thing. But th- there are a couple other things that I, I keep in mind when I am, uh, I'm picking fights. I probably give the, the reach and the, and the youth thing more credence than I should when, when I'm picking fights. That may be a new year's resolution of mine not to lean so heavily in there. Cause the numbers show that I, I probably, I probably shouldn't be quite as heavy as I do. Yeah. I, I do notice that when we pick underdogs, you like the young guy, especially, if, <laughs> yes. especially if they're not Canadian, cause you're really into making mm-hmm. sure you pick against the Canadians. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I win though. You know, I, I win. That's the key. So are there any, uh, we're running a little long, but, um, cause I was long winded this week. Are there any other, um, key stats or, or resources that you, you used to pick assuming winners once in a while, uh, that, that you think, that, that you like our, our listeners and all about, Dan? No, I, I think you, you nailed all of them. Like the, you, you hit all the big categories. And like I said, I, I like to try to contextualize them with strength of schedule. And, you know, if you're like a really serious gambler or you're really unsure about a prelim line, like the, the best resources for you are, A, if you've got UFC Fight Pass, just watch 30 seconds of that person fighting. Like literally, that that's one of my... You know, if I'm, I thought I remembered how somebody looked, I always go back and just watch 30 seconds of them fighting. And you can see in 30 seconds, oh, I completely misremembered that. Or, oh, I have a really good beat on that. And then also, you know, I believe the site's called UFC Stats now instead of Fight Metric. 
Yeah, which is a pain because I still Google flight metric every single time I need it. Um, but like, and it, it still comes up, by the way. So you can still keep Googling, you know, Justin Gaethje flight metric or whatever. Um, and, and like using flight metric it is a great place to start just to find trends and stuff like that. And so as far as other tips, I don't have other tips, but those resources, those two resources are the big ones. Right. Another one, I think another site I think you probably use also, which I do is uh, Tapology. Um, which is a very good site. If uh, I use that for fighters I'm not too familiar with, um, for for fighters who haven't fought in the UFC or basically w- Wikipedia is my number one resource, um, surprisingly. But but all all the stats and all the info you need to know about pretty much what 75% of the UFC roster is on there. So uh, don't uh, don't overlook uh, the obvious in Wikipedia. But but for the 25% or so which aren't on there, then uh, SureDog is a good good site to look up stats, but like I said, Tapology uh, is a very good resource because they give you not only the fighters, uh, they rank up fighters too, which which helps. They tell you how good uh, a person is in in their region or in, overall, and they also um, showing you the fighters' resume. They show you the record of their opponent when they fought them, which is which I find is is a very uh, good resource to have when when it's someone you're not familiar with or someone making their their UFC debut. You can see if or like like uh, we were talking about before, late replacement fighters. Um, you can see where they fought. Like Dan said, if they fought in LFA or Cage Warriors or, or a smaller smaller like a feeder type promotion to the UFC, then that's something to take into account. Um, or if they fought in a bigger promotion like uh, Bellator or Rise and that type of thing and then you can also see who they not just who they fought but but whether it was a can or not if their opponent was 0 and 10 uh when they fought them but 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 they went to a decision then you got to think well okay um so that's that's another resource which i like to use for for people that i'm not too not too familiar with yeah me me too and and that was a big one for me not that you know, we're, we're trying to be less long-winded here. But if you went back and look at that uh, Joaquin Buckley versus is he fighting Jordan Williams fight, everybody was super high on Jordan Williams, and the line kept getting closer and closer and closer. And, and that dude had fought the worst kind of cans. They're like, ah, oh, he's got, you know, 13 KOs on his record. And one was against a guy who was 0-22 with 21 knockout losses. And it's like, yeah, no shit, he's got <laughs> tons of knockout wins. He's fighting, you know... My uncle Billy, like, you know, <laughs> is that real? The yeah. old twenty two. Yeah, yeah. If you look back, I, uh, hang on, nice. I gotta find the name now. You, you fill airspace, but uh, yes. Oh, not Jordan the, Williams. I, I misspoke. Jordan Williams is the not the not the guy who I was talking about because it was Joaquin Buckley just fought. Who did he just fight? Man, I, now, now I'm gonna feel like an idiot. That's that's one of my problems. I tend to forget these things unless I look them up right away. So I'm far older than Dan. So look, looking for me uh, for an answer probably isn't isn't oh, your. Oh, Jordan Wright. Right. right. Okay. Yes. Yes. I remember that guy. Now. Yes. The, the, Jordan Wright. Beverly is, Hills. Beverly Hills Ninja. Right? Ninja. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So the Beverly, if he said his nickname. He fought a guy named Edward Darby, who is 0-22, and he's been to decision zero times. Oh man, Glass Joe. He's been finished 22 times uh, in his career in 22 fights, and his last fight was Jordan Wright. So, like, everybody was like, oh, he won by a 10-second spinning back kick. And it's like, he did, you're right. Again, somebody roughly as good as my grandmother is at fighting. Like, <laughs> well, 
even even Glass Joe and Mike Tyson's punch outs won and he, he won a fight. He's won in one in ninety nine. So the, the, the guy's even worse even worse than that guy. So uh, yeah, so so um and obviously the the best resource is to go to go to the site that, that we run MMA dash manifesto dot com. Um that's obviously the the top spot. Um all joking aside, Dan does do good um good scouting articles every week he does a uh a prelim breakout fighter so basically a fighter on the prelims so more than likely a person that you may not have have heard of um he, he picks the the top one off every prelim portion of card and does a, a quick little scouting report on why this this person um is his pick to break out why they've been uh overlooked up to this point and why they're they're a good matchup uh, against their opponent that week. So that's that's a good resource also. Um, and he's very he's very good. That's one thing he's good at. He's good at picking those picking those winners. He he has a track record for that. Um, he's also pretty good at picking. Uh, he picks an under, under, underdog of the week as I stutter through that word. Underdog of the week on on the site too. Um, Livest dog, which which he's fairly good at, at making money off of also. Um, and then I do. Um, I have rankings of performance rankings of every weight class, uh, which you may find useful. I base it on um, strength of schedule, like we mentioned before, how a fighter does against a certain level of opponent, whether they knocked him out, knocked them out or submitted them, that type of thing. And then I rank fighters based on their actual performance, not based on like a media panel or my opinion of them. So that's something that you may want to check into also when, when you're trying to pick pick winners of fights. But um I think we've probably given you more than enough resources. So at this point, you, you probably don't have to listen to any, any more of our – we've probably uh, done ourselves a disservice here because what's the point of listening to any more of our, our podcasts going forward? We give them all the all the tools they need to pick fights on their own now. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, we're, yep. uh, now we're completely useless. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. We're done. We're retiring the podcast. This was uh, the last episode. Um Nah, they're still going to pay us to do it, so I'll still show up every week, and and Dan, will, I'll still pay, I'll still pay Dan, so he'll show up too. So, um, I think that'll do it for this week. Um, we'll be back in, I guess this will be the last one of 2020. We'll be back in 2021. So, a happy New Year to everyone. Um, hopefully next year is a lot better than than this one has been. Um, up to that, uh, until we meet again, make sure you follow me on Twitter. I've actually finally gone over 900. Uh, followers so my ego's getting a bit higher now now i want to hit over a thousand so get in there follow me at jeff fox writer that's w-r-i-t-e-r and dan's got enough followers but if you want to follow him anyhow he's at gumby vreeland that's v-r-e-e-l-a-n-d um and like i said until uh, next time we'll say happy new year and we will talk to you again in 2021 thanks for listening Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.